You're listening to The Counseling Clinic with Aisha G. And Lisa Michelle, the show for up-and-coming mental health professionals, advocates, and anyone else who wants to learn more about the mental health field from two not-so-professional professionals. So today we want to talk about using trained professionals and why that's important. Um, Obviously, specifically, we'll be talking about using professionals for mental health treatment, but I also want to say that I think in general it's just important to use trained professionals. I think that, I guess I'll even say for millennials, we tend to want to do everything ourselves and not use professionals for anything. We all think we're professionals at everything. (laughs) So... And I guess that's not really a, a, a millennial thing. Like I, I remember like my daddy doing a lot of stuff for himself, and and my grandpa doing a lot of stuff for himself, and even my mama some stuff too. So I don't really know if that's a millennial thing, but I think we we definitely took it to a different level. Absolutely. Um. I mean, yeah. My parents same way. They, my dad isn't going to take a car to the shop, like the mechanic shop. Right. Until right. Until he can't do anything, which. He is not a mechanic, um, but that whole mentality. But I think you're right. I think we've tried to find out if we can do it ourselves or maybe kind of shortcut it, mm-hmm. um, which when it comes to your health and your mental health specifically, not great. Shortcuts are not great. And they typically don't work. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't say that I'm like a natural remedies girl, but I do use a lot of natural remedies stuff. Um, <laughs> and that, that helps, you know, but obviously if something is a serious issue, then I'm definitely going to the doctor. For sure. I mean, you can't rub us into oils on your um, spirit sometimes, <laughs> so. Which I've tried to do, you know, don't right, get me wrong. Right, right. Yeah, there comes a, there comes a time and right. there's a different level. I say it's usually temporary. Oh, for sure. It's while I'm on the way to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think, and I think that's something, you know, we talked last week about the field and where it's going and, and the roles that we play and stuff. And I think the trained professional piece is so important to go along with that sometimes you're going to have to remind people that there are trained professionals in mental health. There are people who are skilled and knowledgeable and experienced with dealing with these things. And they haven't just, you know, read a bunch of self-help books. They've actually seen the data and the science or um, the different types of therapy. And practice. They practice too. You know, they have a repertoire of experience that they've pulled from and um, seen how different stuff works for different people, you know? Absolutely. And maybe I'm getting ahead of, ahead of us, but um, I think for counselors, for new professionals or people in grad school getting ready for that, we tend to think that we can, or I, I kind of had to battle this a little bit in the beginning, that we can just go to the textbook or the DSM and figure it out. You know, if I'm starting to see signs of feeling this kind of way, oh, I'll just look it up and I'll read something and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll go, I'll talk to a counselor friend um, <laughs> about it and I'll be fine. And that's not, that's not the same. I mean, that's right. not treating right. what's going on with you because you can't treat others if you're dying inside either. Right. That's really important to talk about. So 
like you said, you if you have to be okay to help other people be okay. And I think for professionals in training or or even already trained professionals to remember that you can't do everything right just because you have the the skill set doesn't mean you should be using it on yourself I mean you should be practicing what you preach and trying to keep yourself (laughs) healthy in the meantime but if something is seriously wrong or or you're having a serious issue then take the time out and go and use a trained professional so that you can be okay and you're not putting your clients at risk personally I think that it should be required before you become a counselor to get counseling absolutely or or during I mean I know I think I started I think there was about a year or so during grad school that I didn't have that I wasn't in, in therapy and I'm telling you, the semesters that I I was seeing someone, completely different. You know, the, those I two bet, years. I bet. You know, the year of not seeing anyone and versus seeing someone two totally different. <laughs> uh, Lisa Michelle's, right? I, I feel like, um, and not not only because of the academics or hearing, you know, working with other people's issues and families and stuff, but there are other things happening in your life. I mean, you're still a person at the end of the day. You're still the client too um, when you step into that role. So it was refreshing um, to, to be able to do that. It, I think it truly helped me um, not only finish strong in school and academically, but as a person, I mean, as a young professional, I actually was able to put the skills to use much better than I had been uh, when I wasn't seeing someone during that season. And I think that that's a really good point too, because I think it, it also gives you something to draw on because, you know, clients come at you with a lot of stuff. And a lot of times people, even though they might be present in the office, they still have a bit of a reluctance to let you treat them. And so uh, sometimes you'll get things from clients like, well, you don't know what it's like on this side or, you know, different things like that. And I think the fact that you have been on the other side and been in the client's chair before, I think just that alone can can one help you with um specifically with like the the empathy part, but just in general help you to to be more aware and and kind of be more patient with clients um because it's a it's yeah. a difficult see i mean therapy is hard it's it's difficult you have to yes. really be willing to be picked apart and put back together <laughs> you can't be put back together until you have been picked apart and and yeah. you have to be open to doing it but with the same token as the professionals we have to be patient enough to you know we say things in the field like meet people where they are you know but are we really doing that though you right. know <laughs> so we have to really be able to be patient I feel like you could tell or I, I felt I could tell you know I was in a group we've talked about this like a group therapy class and I had people in the cohort who were essentially using that as their therapy time mm-hmm. and like our professors would say, you need to be seeing someone <laughs> besides your professors right. and besides your classmates. Um, so even if you're not in school, even if you are uh, working in the field, I would say don't let the fear of someone finding out that you're going to therapy uh, keep you from going. Because I think that's what happens sometimes. I think we, yeah, it's almost, you don't want other therapists to think that you have to go to therapy too, which is the most <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But right. um, 
it, it just seems like there's a little bit of competitive nature in the workplace too. That makes a lot of sense. And then on the other side, like for me, before I, or I guess not, it wasn't my first time going to therapy, but like my first time as a professional looking for my own counselor, the issue that I had was where do I start? You know, like, are there certain counselors that I should be looking for who help other counselors? You know, I I didn't know the answer to that question. And I'm sure I'm not the only person in the world who's ever had that question. So, but you know, (laughs) the way I started was just finding somebody I trust. I actually had a, um, I was working with my LPC supervisor at the time and I, I talked to him about it and he was able to help me with that. So, you know, find somebody whose work ethic you trust and, you feel like they are skilled in the field and, you know, just talk to them and see if they have anybody who who they would encourage you to go to. Or if that person is not too close to you, then maybe you can try to start with them. So, you know, just start, start to look for somebody, even if it's just a check-in, if it's not, you know, like a really big issue that you're having maybe you're not feeling anxious or you're not suffering with depression or anything like that but maybe you just want to know that you're not experiencing burnout you know maybe you just want to take the load off and check in and make sure that that you know your your relationships are okay you know the, the um the stuff that seems simple just check in every now and then I mean you you go to checkups with your doctor right Oh, but people don't count that as the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think it's so easy for there to be fears um, or so many excuses of why you wouldn't get started seeing someone. Mm -hmm. The pros of seeing someone outweigh the cons every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one thing you mentioned a second ago about, you know, what are you looking for in finding someone makes me think of kind of the next thing we talked about of being becoming trained in something, getting those certifications or kind of keeping yourself up because I think it's twofold. I think it'll help you as a professional, but it'll help your clients too. Um, And then a third would be that it helps you know what to look for in seeking your own help. Right. You know, if, if you have, if you hold a certification in, you know, something, if you're a play therapist, um, then you kind of know what it takes to get to that level. So you'll know other things to be looking for if you have to take a, your own child to play therapy. I mean, getting right. your own training outside of your degree is a way to kind of help you take that next step towards knowing what to look for. Right. And then also remembering that it's not just a beginning and an end. You know, you get to to search for your counselor yeah. or your therapist. You get to decide who works for you. You know, if um if you go and you meet somebody and it, it just doesn't feel right for you, that's okay, you know. And um specifically for for professionals, it's okay to offer that to clients. I've been in many sessions and and spoken to people about, you know, it's okay if if I'm not the right therapist for you. I can help you find somebody else. Yes. You know, I've been yes. in the room with a, a white man and asked him, are you okay having a black female therapist? <laughs> You know, that's important to talk about because maybe he wants somebody who he feels like is more in tune with his experiences. You know, I think that's important for us to remember to do that. And sometimes 
we work in certain places where we don't feel like that's really an option. You know, you, you get a client, you see them and you move on. Right. right? But right. <laughs> we, we still want it to be therapy, you know, and be therapeutic. Yeah. I love that you, you do that. Right. Cause you've been there when I did that. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, and that's respect at the end of the day. If, if it shows anything, it shows that you respect that client and that you care about their comfort, their relatability, their needs. You know, that's mm-hmm. never a bad place to start with respect. Right, right. And that's true. I did feel like that. <laughs> that's true. So I'm glad that came across. Yes, point made. Purpose served. <laughs> also, um, in order to use trained professionals, we have to become trained professionals, right? And I know that that's also something yes. that a lot yes. of people are running from today. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. I know we've used the the doctor analogy a lot. People are not becoming doctors. And I find that in regular conversations, people say, well, you know, my doctor doesn't talk to me or um, I didn't even spend a lot of time with my doctor. Well, that's because nobody's becoming them. So they don't have enough time to spend with each person. Again, on that same wavelength, um, a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. And so if nobody's coming regular doctors, then they definitely ain't specializing in in psychiatry, (laughs) right? That's show not the field they pick in. (laughs) Right. So if there's not enough psychiatrists, or because they're not enough psychiatrists, the doctors have to take on stuff like prescribing the medication for mental health issues, right? And there have to yep, be yep. a plethora of entry-level counselors because people have to have somebody to see, right? So we have to commit to being trained professionals and taking things seriously or taking the field seriously so that people have somewhere to turn. Yeah, and still on the doctor analogy, you don't just become a doctor, you become a doctor in whatever your field is. You know, if it's kidneys, it's nephrology, if it's the the brain and the brain and the mind, it's um psychiatry. So doctors who do who become doctors, um, they're getting specializations. They're picking a field and they're running towards it. Right. Um and like you said, that that's something that we're not doing anymore. Um across the board, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, I remember when I changed my major in undergrad to psychology, um, I heard a lot of things from a lot of people who didn't think that was a good idea, but it's because they didn't know what you do with the field. I mean, they all they knew were the terms clinical psychologist and LPC. Oh, well, at least they knew LPC. <laughs> right, well, some of them, only, only some of them. Nice. Um, but when I actually got in and I realized, you know, got through couple rounds of school, I realized there's a lot. There are so many things. You know, I have a friend who's working on her child life specialist. um, So she can be a counselor and a therapist within hospitals for families and children who have terminal illness. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people do consultation. That's kind of my passion. The area I, I pursue is working with like trial science. I enjoy that kind of study and research. Some people are just into research. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are so many things to do with it in so many fields other than just counseling. I mean, that's such a broad thing to say. Right. So I I would say, you know, as you're in grad school, as your first couple of years out, look into those things around you or or that you're doing with your hobbies or your free time and see Mm -hmm. how it actually can fit into the field and, and run towards that. 
I would even say before grad school, you know, if you're majoring in in psychology and undergrad, you know, talk to people about that. You know, like post-grad school, you can get certifications and you can go to trainings and seminars and do continuing education and stuff like that. But really, the goal should be that before that, you know, we really help people know what they're signing up for in high school, you know, looking into what you're actually passionate about and and kind of setting people on the right track to be able to do stuff in undergrad. I'll I'll say for me personally, um, I did well in undergrad grades wise, but I just don't feel like it was a well-rounded experience because I didn't know all the stuff that I should have been involved in. I didn't know what I needed to do in order to get into grad school. You know, I didn't know that there were certain things that I should have been preparing for. So um, talking to people, asking questions or doing your own research and, and, you know, when you have the information, share the information, which is, you know, what we're trying to do here, share the information with people so that they know that there are options. Yeah. And, and I like that you even brought up high school. Um, gosh, I feel like when I graduated high school, the only fields that I knew were teacher, doctor, <laughs> lawyer. And don't forget a nurse because worker, you're a girl. And cook. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, even when I changed my major to psychology, I had people telling me I should be a nurse. And I was like, well, no. Um, and not against nurses. I don't I just don't think it's for right. Me. But yeah, I didn't I didn't know what the field of counseling or psychology or um, anything like that looked like. I didn't have someone I knew in the field. I didn't have resources. You know, my high school was very small. We didn't have um, a counselor, you know, like a counselor, like doing actual work with their students. It was more of like schedule planning and you're out the door. <laughs> right, right. So I didn't know that this was even a mm-hmm. thing until, like I said, I, I was in college already when I changed and, and learned more about it. So yeah, let's start young, like start not necessarily broadcasting the field, but explaining the field to those who are younger right. and who are still looking for what to do and things that are out there. Right. And then like you mentioned, you mentioned in high school, you know, you had a guidance counselor and now they're called school counselors. But I think it's important to note that they do get trained different, you know, because they do technically a different job. So I was working at a school and the school counselor who was actually new that year, she was saying that she had to to, um, take the, the national clinical mental health counseling exam and she was like well I'm a school counselor I don't use this stuff regularly so I'll have to start from the beginning with studying Um, but I think that that's a good point to note because one the people using the school counselor don't know that they're that they don't typically do the counseling side of it. You know, I know that they're trying to put more of it into school and like they do groups and things like that, but they, they get different training, you know? So I think that's important to know, like you were saying, there are are different uh, specialties in the field. Yeah. And then also, like we Uh, were saying earlier, um, I'm sorry, Michelle, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, like we were saying earlier, um, you know, with the trainings and seminars and continued education and stuff, remember to do that, guys. Like, um, remember to get involved in those things. You know, for me, I've been in the field for, um, I guess, 
technically six years now, but it can feel isolating sometimes or isolated. Sometimes like you you really yeah. don't know where to go. You're just doing it for work and you don't know what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. But so that you can be the the professional that you want to be, you know, uh, try to step out and do some of those things, even if it is on your own and, you know, it's not provided by your company, they're not helping with those kinds of things. Try to make sure right. that you're, you're getting involved with um, organizations and, um, you know, your regional organizations and your national organizations and you're going to their, what do they call their annual workshops and like conferences, conferences that's the word I was looking stuff. for yeah <laughs> you know try to make sure you go into the <laughs> conferences and and you know you're meeting people and you're doing regular trainings and you're taking them serious and you're going to seminars and doing your continued education and if you can you know even get involved and do some yourself I mean like put them on yourself is what I mean absolutely yeah it, it's something that that kind of jogged my thought on I was thinking you know you also want to read just for yourself mm-hmm. in the field, read about what's happening, right? what's changing and stuff. But two, also read what's out there about the field. Um, you know, I, I know someone in my family who is always talking about stuff they're reading that is like mental health adjacent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not the most accurate. And so we talk about that a little bit. So it's important for us to also know what's being said. Yeah, um, that is What important. people are hearing and expecting right. of therapy or counseling or something. Right. And and with that, you know, I think, you know, we can really encourage society to use trained professionals by being trustworthy, by being good professionals, you know, being a reliable source yes. when people have questions, yes. being taking the time to really get to know our clients. And like I said earlier, offering them to meet with somebody else. One, if that's not your specialty, if you just don't feel like you guys are a good mix, or if you're worried that they want a different um, yeah. counselor, you know, be that kind of professional so that they know, so that clients know that it's okay to seek professionals because they really are trained. You know, you know, maybe the client came in because they were having issues with anxiety and you weren't able to help them with that, but they did like their encounter with you. You know, they appreciated what you did for them as a right. professional. Yeah. I mean, that's something you have to keep in mind. I mean, you as a person represent a piece of the field, whether or not you're, you, you stay that client's therapist, you know, till they're ready to no longer be in therapy or, um, who you're working with or, or what have you, you represent it. I mean, media has not always had the best view of counseling and therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to show, like you have to choose now to be trustworthy right. or to promote respect, um, with your clients and with the people you work with. Yeah. And I also like what you said that um, we represent a, a piece of the field because, you know, oftentimes you hear the phrase being the face of a company, right? But at the end of the day, we're all faces of the field. And I think that that's Ooh, really yeah. important to remember that. Yeah. You know? Good. Um, And so our call of action to you guys is to let us know um, what it is that you do to check in with yourself when um, just to make sure that you're okay, Right. And to see if it's time for you to 
seek professional help. Like, for example, if you've been coughing and sneezing and you've been at home drinking tea and, you know, swallowing a teaspoon of honey and using a warm towel and all of that stuff. Um, at what point do you think that it's time for to go to the doctor? Um, the same with yourself. You know, how do you check in and make sure that you're not overwhelmed, that you're not um, more than just sad, that you're that biting your nails more than usual? You know, what, what are the things that you do? How do you check in with yourself to make sure that you're okay or to, to make sure that you're not okay? Okay. listening to the counseling clinic with Aisha Jane and Lisa Michelle. Remember to check out our website at the counseling clinic podcast.com and follow us on Instagram at the counseling clinic podcast. We'll see you guys next week for our next session. Bye guys. The music provided by Scott Holmes music.com and our show is edited and produced by Chris Luke.